Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Taking the Gospel Home Project. This week, we will be reflecting a bit on Unit 2, Session 1. This week, we explored perhaps the most tragic chapter in the whole story of the Bible, Genesis 3. It is at this point of the story that we see the entrance of sin into God's good creation. And along with it, we begin to see the devastating effects of sin, especially within the once-flourishing relationships we see in the garden in chapters 1 and 2. On this episode, Deb and I discuss various takeaways from this profoundly important chapter, as well as important topics of discussion from this lesson that we can take home. Well, hello there. It's Monday, so it gives us an opportunity once again to reflect on what we learned this past Sunday, uh, yesterday, in our Gospel Project lesson. And this week, uh, it carried us to chapter 3, which is the fall. Otherwise known as the honeymoon is over. That's right. feels like we should have some (laughs) ominous music or something, you know. This week was the fall. Uh, Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. No, I, you know, I absolutely love Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And um, I've spent a fair amount of time in it. But I tell you what, no matter how much time you spend in it, every time you go back to it, you almost come away with a sense of how much you don't know and how much you would still like to explore and new questions pop up. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but I, again, and I've, I've, I've said this before, um, today on other episodes that we've done, um, but just this idea that we learn so much in these first three chapters. I mean, um, we learn so much about who we are. We learn so much about who God is. We learn so much about his creative purposes. Mm-hmm. And now we begin to see uh, why our world is the way that it is, you know. And uh, for the adult lesson, we started out by painting a contrast. I didn't teach this week, but Jerome began our class out uh, like this. I know all the adult classes, I, I believe, started this way. Um, if the teachers chose to use this portion of the material. But it was drawing a contrast between Eden and the way that our world is today. Um, and I don't know if they did that in the in the kids' class, um, but uh, that's a great contrast. And that's, you know, that's something immediately that I'm thinking that we can do with our kids at home, right? Um, because they can point to um, what the garden was like in the beginning. And now we live in this world. So we can certainly see tangible differences, can't we? Yeah, we can. And I think that the welcome time on the uh, preteens, uh, which for us would be the five, fifth and sixth graders, I love the questions. Can you think of a time you did something and wish you could take it back? Mm, yeah. And then secondly, what quick actions might have long-lasting consequences? Yeah, yeah and these are the kind of things that um, we hit this section, and there's so many things... So many questions that our kids are going to have now, why, you yeah. know, that, that we can point back, well, here is the genesis of this issue, and right. it happened in Genesis. Oh, yeah. um, but then also, you know, as a believer looking at, okay, but here's what God, God had a problem, mm-hmm. which God never has a problem because he knows everything ahead of time, right. so he's not a surprise. But yet, when you look back, his remedy was there in the beginning, Absolutely. too. Yeah. And because of that, we can have hope regardless of how crazy yeah our particular point in time is today right we don't see the fall causing god to shift from plan a to plan b right we see we see his plan a um over the whole story and that's what the the gospel project really helps us to see and um to see the gospel elements that are already here in this same chapter we'll get there but i thought it'd be good to run through as I, i normally do at the beginning of these things just to walk through the three main points uh at least from the adult material 
and we were talking just a little bit before we started recording, and I know that these are pretty in line with the kids this week. Um, these are the three from the adults. Number one, sin is transgressing God's commands. Uh, number two, sin brings shame and harm. And then number three, sin comes with a great cost. And uh, this week, the adult uh, version, at least, really centered upon the relationships that were broken in the fall. And I had a, I had a professor uh, in seminary who really helped me think through this better um, and I don't think this was unique to him, but I remember he was the first one that presented it uh, in a way that I really began to understand the the fullness of the consequences of sin, especially in relationships, um, where he pointed to the fact that there are four relationships that are really affected through this. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that all four of these relationships are perfect um, and unhindered and um, full of potential and realizing that potential. They were flourishing in, in, in so many ways. And that is God's relationship with man, number one, uh, man's relationship with man, where the man and the woman have this perfect relationship mm-hmm. that we can't even fathom, right? Yeah. Um, but it's man's relationship with creation is perfect. But also a fourth one, man's creation, man's relationship with himself. Right. Um, all four of those um, realms of re- relationship, if that's what you want to call them, all, all four of those relationships are uh, seen in a complete state of flourishing before the fall. And then after the fall, we see that all four of them are affected right there in Revelation. In, in Revelation, listen to me, we're in Revelation on Sunday mornings. Right there in Genesis three, right, we see all of the effects of of all four of those relationships right away. We see man's relationship with God broken. You know, God comes into the garden. Where are you, Adam? Right, Adam is is hiding from God. All of a sudden, that relationship is broken. Man's relationship with man. Um, God, it was this woman that you gave me. She's the one that did it, right? Yeah. Um, man's relationship with creation. Uh, we see the the break of that, even with the serpent and the human interaction. But then we see the effects of that ongoing. Uh, with with now, we have all these natural disasters and these threats that come from creation, and really man's assault on creation both ways. We see that relationship broken, and then finally, man's um, relationship with himself. All of a sudden, they feel shame. They feel guilt. Um, and there's this break in the relationship even with themselves. Um, so we see this in, in chapter 3. And, and really, I wanted to highlight that because that's a great thing to present to our kids. I wish that I'd have heard that earlier. You know, I had some sense of what sin's consequences are on creation. But when you begin to think through all of those, um, almost every conversation we have with our kids about anything that happens in our world, we can point to Genesis 3 as the genesis Mm -hmm. of the breaking of those relationships, can't we? That's right. Yeah. So I think that that's a wonderful thing to talk about there. And and the the fact that sin does come with a great cost. We are um, confronted with the cost of sin in Revelation 3. Revelation 3 is so tragic. And then you know, next week looking at Genesis. Genesis. My gosh, I'm going to do that all day. Thank we can't you. wait keep, till we get to Revelation, know, just, though. Okay. Yeah, I was writing on. I was writing a Monday morning follow up this this morning, and I spent a couple hours on that. So I'm thinking about Revelation. You know, Genesis three is um, just a tragic chapter, and then we're going to see next week just how Genesis four and beyond. Shoot. I mean, really, from here to, to Genesis six, I love how Cornelius Plantinga says instead of carrying creation forward as we were intended to do. We begin to carry creation back to the void, to the to the flood that's global, mm-hmm. um, and so it really begins right here in Genesis three, and we see the breaking of these relationships. Um, I, it's it's always been fascinating to me, Deb, um, that the serpent only speaks twice. You ever mm-hmm. notice that he only says three things 
He only has two speaking parts with three statements. If you look back at it, he begins with the question, did God actually say, right? And then he responds to the woman, you shall not, uh, um, where is it? Uh, But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, right? So he only speaks a few times and that's enough to undo, you know, um, at least in the woman's mind, um, what God had clearly commanded um, humanity not to do. Right. Um, and it's so it's so crazy. And we talked about this in our in our class Sunday, and I'm thankful that we did. Um, the fact that when we look at Genesis three, we really see that Satan's tactics against us really have not changed. They're the exact same. And what he does with the woman is, number one, he causes her to question the goodness of God. And he does that by embellishing the command. Right. right? Has God really said that you can't eat from any tree? Well, Satan knew what God had said. I believe that Satan knew full well what God had said, but he embellishes the command to make it sound more egregious than it really was, Mm -hmm. to make it sound like in some way God is stealing joy from you. He is keeping you from experiencing your best life. And in so many ways, um, that's exactly how he continues to work in our own lives today, right? Mm -hmm. Did God really say that you can't have that thing that you believe will bring you joy? And he embellishes it. He makes it bigger. Um, not one tree, any tree. And it makes the woman, and I think it makes us and his temptation, all of a sudden we're thinking that one thing that we want and can't have, now I can't have anything, right? Right. And I raised my hand on Sunday morning and I I said, um, you know, all the parents will agree with me, but this reminds me of interactions I've had with my kids, especially, especially my son. You know, where I will go to him and uh, he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. And I tell him, you can't do that. It's something he really wants to do. Mm-hmm. And what is his comeback to me? You never let me have any fun. Or everybody else is doing it. That's right. But <laughs> you never let me have any fun. And all of a sudden it's embellished. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, instead of just the one thing focusing on that he shouldn't be doing, now you don't let me have any fun. Right. And that's one of the ways I think that Satan works in our hearts to make us desire something that is outside of the parameters that God has set. Yeah, it's almost like he took he takes the telescope around where we can see God's goodness mm-hmm. and he flips it around right. on like that one thing yep. that um, is in comparison to everything else that we can do. Right. Um, we it's just one thing, yeah. you know. Uh, and how many? How many? We do the same thing. I mean, yeah. just in going through our day, we can let the one thing right. that goes wrong be the you know the 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 camel the the straw that breaks the camel's back right. because then our perspective is completely changed yep. and everything about that day is just really ruined. And oh, it's yeah. not. We just we don't see. We we get focused on that little bitty thing rather than the bigger picture. Right. And you think about the picture of Genesis one and two. I mean, God has given them the entire garden. Mm-hmm. He is He has called them to be um, to come into co dominion. I mean, they're to, to, they're to rule over. It. They're to name the animals. You can eat of any tree in the garden. God tells them. Mm-hmm. But what does the serpent cause her to do? The one thing I can't have, if I can't have that, I can't have anything, right? Right. It causes us to question the goodness of God. And we forget what he has given us. We forget his goodness. We forget the goodness he allows us to experience, right? And so he causes us to focus on that one thing that we can't have. And that, I mean, that right there defines our relationship with our kids sometimes. Right. And it helps us to understand how, you know, their sin nature and their flesh can keep them from obedience or cause them to get angry um, despite the fact that we have lavished our goodness on them as parents, right. you know, right. uh, but I can do the same thing, you yeah. know. And then the second thing he causes her to question is God's trustworthiness. Can God be trusted? Right. You know, Satan tells her, you know, God is really keeping this from you. 
he's hiding a secret from you that if you eat from this tree, you're going to be like him and he doesn't want you to be like him. And so now all of a sudden, wait a second, did, has God been truthful with me? Can I, can I trust his word? All of a sudden there's this new truth claim that's entered into the garden and the woman's going to have to decide. Um, and uh, we can do the same thing, right? Uh, did God really say? It's really historical revisionism. And uh, I think of Hebrews um, Hebrews 2.1 where it tells us to stay closely tied to the word of truth I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. if we drift away from it, then we're in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're more prone to buy a lie the more we drift from the truth. So we have to stay closely tied to it. And the picture is of a ship um, being tied into a harbor, you know, and when it when it leaves the harbor, if it gets untied and it goes out into the sea, then it's it's in open waters and it's open to danger. Yeah. In fact, if unless you actively stay connected, you are going to drift. It is the natural consequence yeah. of not being tied in. That's exactly right. Yep. And so we're reminded, and I think it's a good opportunity to remind our kids that the only thing that we can trust is God's word. And we have to remember that in a world that really affirms our feelings. It Mm -hmm. affirms our emotion. It affirms our heart. You know, we live in a world that constantly bombards us with this idea of following our heart, with being the captain of our own ship, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of um, um, traversing our own destiny. Um, that your feelings are going to lead you into truth. And in those moments when Eve should have gone back to the source of truth, she stayed away from it, right? And and let's not leave Adam out of the equation. He's standing right there. He's got his own sin issue there. Uh, But neither one of them ran back to the source. And um, we've got to remember through this whole saga that we see in Genesis 3 and even in the situations that happen in our own life, um, that we must stay tied to the truth and that and God's word is the only thing that can we can trust. Um, so it's a really good opportunity to point our kids to the scriptures and our need for the scriptures um, and God's goodness in giving us the scriptures, you know? Right, because he's, I mean, he already said in the beginning, let us make man our image. So we were already image bearers mm-hmm. and Satan's trying to, to throw a twist. It's like a, a it's house ironic, of mirrors. It? Yeah, yeah, he's like looking at it a different way. Yep. And... Um, you know, rather than going back to the word. Um, yeah. And there are going to be times like now, my goodness, you know, um, what scripture is it? Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I yep. mean, so in yep. that relationship with ourselves yep. to say, trust your heart. Right. Oh, my word. That's dangerous. That is it? in some places. That's the last thing Incredibly I need to do. Incredibly dangerous. To trust yeah. my heart that's and exactly my feelings. Right. So, and our feelings are strong. Our emotions yes. are strong. And um, we can be so easily deceived by them. And mm-hmm. so... You know, one of the things that we constantly want to reiterate, not only to our kids, but to ourselves, is that we must measure our feelings and emotions according to God's word. Mm-hmm. We need God's truth to be the measure of our feelings, not the other way around. And so often we can begin to even read the scriptures that way based on what I feel or what I feel this is saying or what I feel. You know, I know God's word says this, but I just feel so strongly over here right. that out of the two, which one of those should win? Um, and so it's a great opportunity to, to reiterate that to our kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to the point you just made about the irony of it all, you know, that God, that is the irony, that God has already created her in his image. And yet, uh, one of the things I think that takes her over the edge into finally eating the fruit is this idea that she would be like God. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we talked about yesterday in our class is that this is a great definition for sin, especially for our kids is anytime we sin, we're looking for something that we already have in God outside of him. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so 
you know, anytime we're dealing with sin with our kids, we can always trace that back. If we can get to the heart of the issue, ultimately we are seeking something that can only be fulfilled in him. Right. And that's the same thing with her. She was seeking something that she already had in him. She had forgotten. And that's why it's so important we stay tied to the scripture so we remember. And there's this pattern throughout the rest of the scripture that focuses on remembrance. I mean, how often do we are we confronted with remembrance the rest of the scriptures? Because when we forget, we fall into sin. Mm-hmm. We forget that we have everything that we need in him and we begin to look for those things outside of him. So, I, you know, it's a good opportunity to talk about the fact that God created everything with a certain order and for specific purpose and that his law... His laws are good for us. They are for our protection. Um, you know, we sat around the, the lunch table yesterday eating lunch, and um, we started to, most Sundays, ask our kids, you know, what did you learn this morning? And use that as a good opportunity to, to debrief with them a little bit. And Elijah immediately began to tell uh, a story that Sonia Hoxie shared. Sonia, you are a <laughs> rock star. Uh, but he remembered, and I think that he very vividly retold the story um, about uh, a kingdom that where a hedge had been built around the kingdom and told you don't go outside this parameter, that the hedge is there for your protection. And how what the people didn't know is on the other side of that hedge was a drop-off. You'd fall to your death if you walked through the hedge. And she used that as an illustration to talk about how God's parameters are good for us. They are there to help us to live according to his purpose and not get outside of his design. Uh, because there are consequences outside of that, aren't there? Yes, there are. So thank you, Sonia, for that great illustration. I'm not sure if that's from the material or if she just brought that up, but it was it was really good, and it helped him understand um, the parameters of God's design um, in, a, in a really incredible way. And I could tell his wheels were turning. He was asking some more questions based on that. Um, but, you know, in dealing with Genesis 3, it's a great opportunity to talk about the fact that God created everything with certain order and for specific purpose. And um, sin gets those things out of order. Um, Sin takes us looking for purpose outside of his purpose to try to define our own purpose. And that's harmful for us because, you know, God is our creator. He knows what's best for us. He created us for specific purpose. And, you know, um, talking about this definition of sin, I use the word transgression. That word means law-breaking. That when we decide to go our own way and, 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 and stop submitting to God's law, we are lawbreakers. Um, and so all sin is lawbreaking and we are guilty. And we are, to use a big word we might not want to use with our kids, but we are culpable for that. I mean, we are responsible for that. Um, we are born into sin, but we also transgress. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are important to talk about when we talk about sin and who we are as sinners. Um, and uh, something I remind the, the students about quite a bit is the fact that We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Both of those things are true, but we are born with dead hearts, right? We are born dead to sin, uh, dead in sin. And so because we are sinners, we sin. But we are still responsible for breaking God's law. And that's why we need a Savior, right? right? And so, you know, this is a very important time in the gospel project to begin to plant that seed in our kids' hearts that they need a savior, that we are all guilty of this thing called sin, that we are all transgressors, that, um, you know, when our kids are breaking mom and dad's rules, they're not only breaking mom and dad's rules, they're transgressing God's law because we have been given to them as a gift. And uh, if we are parenting well, um, then um, they are told in the scriptures very explicitly to obey their, their parents, right? Um, so it's a great opportunity to begin to plant those seeds, even to help them understand their need for a savior. Yeah. 
Um, let me see. I wrote a couple of things down also. Oh, uh, we were talking about the God's curses, um, his response to sin. Um, and um, it stuck out to me yesterday. I'm not sure that it ever has. I've read some some commentary on this. Maybe I've read this before, and maybe it was just something that I didn't really pick up on the, at the time, and now it's mm-hmm. coming to the forefront. I don't know. Um, certainly not the first one to ever have this thought. But it was interesting in looking at the curses, just how those curses uh, have direct effect on the specific commands that God had given humanity, hmm. right? So you think about the woman's um, oh, yeah. pain and childbearing being multiplied that's directly related to the command that he's given to be fruitful and multiply. That that carries forward, but now that's going to be painful to do. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the cultural mandate that he has given man to work the land in a way that produces culture that glorifies God, now that's going to be infested with thorns and thistles. Now that's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to do. Mm. I just thought that was very interesting when you're looking at that. Um, and even the, the roles of husband and wife right. and how it talks about how uh, the wife's desire will be contrary to the husband and he will rule it over you that he will not handle this headship very well, go too far with it most of the time. And there will be this power struggle when there has not been any kind of power struggle up until this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a complete embracing of the roles that God has given. Um, and just it's just it's just interesting how um, we see a glimpse of God's purposes carrying forward. We can see the effects of sin on that, that it's that it's right. it's it's made it more difficult in some ways. I don't know. I, that's that stood out to me yesterday. Um, maybe, maybe I thought about that before and it just came back. I don't know, but it's it's interesting. Just coming, and, and this is the beauty of having these conversations in our homes with our kids. You know, mm-hmm. these things come up and pop up that we um, that we you know might ne- not discuss before or not thought through before. So, right. I think uh, well, in the kids, the the second question was, you know, can we hide from God? Why do you think mm. people might try to hide from God? And I think that's an incredibly important teachable moment for them and for us because when you know we know we now have a knowledge of evil and and that's what happened for adam and eve they Mm -hmm. now knew right what it was to be separated from god where they Mm -hmm. had never experienced that before and and they knew shame in a way and so the result i love how susan i mean susan almost wept yesterday in, in women's the women's study because for the first time you know they had been in god's presence daily right and now God came and they hid because they were afraid of him hmm. in, in, in a way, a punitive way that had never been yeah. there before. Changed everything. It did. And yet, and, and God's God's demeanor towards us has not changed. Right. Uh, his love for us has not changed. So we're the ones that, you know, distorted. You know, we allow the, the, the perception to be distorted. We look mm-hmm. at it wrong. Um, and so for our kids, too, it's like, you know, typically when we do something wrong, the pride, the arrogance, you know, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, yep, you know, yep. all of that. First John, enters we in. Oh, yeah. my goodness. You know, it, you get into that and it's like the last thing we want to do is the first thing that we need to do. That's right. And so getting us to where we put our flesh in submission to what we know is right. Mm, yeah. Run to the Lord when you feel when you feel right. the least like it. Right. Because that is the only safe place That's to go. That's exactly right. Um, it, it, it works against what our natural inclination is to hide and shrink away. And even, you know, even in scripture, we have this contrast between having confidence before God and shrinking away from him. Right. You know, because of what Christ has done for us, we don't have to shrink away. That's right. We can come boldly, even with our confession before him, but we can see how, how sin has shaped our hearts to do exactly what Adam did. We want to run, hide in the bushes. We want to cover ourselves with fig leaves 
we want to, you know, cover our own mess. We want to try to fix it real quick instead right. of going to God and just laying it bare uh, before yep. Him. And so, yeah, we, we don't need to shrink away. We need to come boldly, even with our confession. Right. And that, I mean, and in the, in the context of parenting and correction for our kids, yeah. um, the way that we correct, the attitude with which we correct is as important as what we do for that correction. Yeah. Because if we teach our kids, I mean, even in a lot of it can be unspoken and, you know, we can have exactly the opposite effect of what we want to, sure. but do our kids understand that yes, there are, and we'll get to that third point about there are consequences, yeah. but the bottom line is that my dad, my mom, love me, yeah. and I have messed up. Be like the prodigal son. I have messed yeah. up. The only safe place is to go back, and then you work through it. Yeah. Um, so as we are dealing with their failures, yeah, we have the opportunity, only by God's grace, mm. to have righteous actions, uh, consequences for when we don't do that, but also to model the, the grace and the mercy yeah. that it's not done in our human anger either. That's because right. how many times do we lose it too? Oh, yeah. You know, and, We're just trying to make it through the day sometimes. Oh, we just yeah. want you to obey. Just obey. You know, if you do this one, I've had right. it up to here already, yeah. and then, yep, they yep. did it yep. that one more time, yep. you know. Um, and, and so we have the opportunity to model <coughs> that in the right way. And quite frankly, yeah. when we blow it, which we will and we do, then it is humbling for us. Yeah. What what our child did is not right, okay? Yeah. But for us to cop the attitude, well, you, if you hadn't done that, I yeah. wouldn't have reacted yeah. that way. Yeah. Sorry, that that's on us. Yeah. And um, and if we will humble ourselves in that way to go, look, I am I am so sorry. Um, what you did was wrong, mm -hmm. and and we have consequences for that. But the way that I interacted with you was not representing God accurately. Right. Right. Either. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes we, the best thing we can do for with our kids is repent in front of them. Yes. And repent to them. Yes. You know, I'm sorry. Yes. You know, I, Dad didn't do, handle that very well. And, you know, there have been times where I've had to do that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry Dad shouldn't have lost it there, you right. know. Because, um, you know, sometimes I can fall into that pattern of just trying to get through the day and I've had enough and, you know, I reach my breaking point and we learn just how much we continue to need the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> we need let, the Lord. Let, let's be honest. Keep working. If, yeah, if if uh if someone wanted to know what our greatest struggles were, just ask our kids. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Then they probably will not hesitate to tell you. No. That's so, right. And anyway. you, you know, as you're saying that, it it makes me realize that really Genesis 3 really offers us a beautiful prescription for how parenting should look like. Mm. I mean, think about it for just a second. The the man and the woman sinned. They went and hid. What did God do? God went and found them. Right. I mean, that's mercy. That's mm -hmm. grace. That's love. Um, God is fully righteous, right? He did not transgress his own righteousness in doing that. And we see that play out through the rest of the story and what, what happened with, with Christ and how he became the propitiation for us and justice was met. Mm -hmm. He did not forego justice to do that, but he did show mercy in relenting. Right. Yeah. And so he goes after them. He finds them. Adam, where are you? What is this that you have done? Mm -hmm. You know, he calls him to account for what he has done. And as that play out plays out, then God does not pull any punches with pronouncing the consequences. Right. You have done this. These are the consequences for these actions. Same thing that we should do as parents. Right. These are the consequences. Um, these are the things 
that uh, these are the things that have happened. This is what uh, these are what the consequences are for your actions and what you will have to own up to, what you will have to to deal with. And then after that, what does he do? He points them to the gospel. That's right. Right. We see at the end of the uh, of the chapter, and I wrote that down here before the end of the chapter. We get a picture of the gospel mm-hmm. um, that God covers them with the skins of the animal. Those fig leaves were insufficient. That's the I've, I love how one commentator put it. This is the first attempt at man-centered religion, right? Yep. Um, where they tried to cover their own nakedness, and that was not going to happen. That 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 wasn't going to be sufficient. So what does God do? He goes and he kills animals and covers them with the bloody skins to cover them with the blood. Um, and there we have this pattern that's set through the rest of uh, Scripture that really is most expressly stated in Hebrews 9.22 that without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sin. And so God is letting them know the consequences, not only of what they're going to face and what he's pronounced, but the consequences of death, of a substitutionary death, um, so that you may continue to live. Um, And so that in itself is pointing to the work that this serpent crusher will do to overcome uh, sin and death one day. Um, And what a beautiful pattern that is for, for parenting, right? Go to our children. Um, you know, uh, allow them to, to give an account, let them, let them provide an account for what they've done, um, help them to understand what they have done, um, you know, helping them to understand the consequences lovingly, that these are the consequences. Love is not pulling those consequences away. Love is helping them process the consequences that they face um, and then pointing them to the gospel, right? That this is what we need. This is our need. And um, as a father, I want to provide that need by proclaiming the word to you and pointing to you uh, the only need, the only, the only, the only way that that need can be met, and that's mm-hmm. in Jesus. Yeah, and I think it's important too. One of the one of the points we made yesterday in our class. I mean, the consequences of sin may not be immediately immediate, but they always come. Um, but it's like who who did who was um, affected the most by this sin? Right. Who did it cost the most yeah. for this? And it was God. That's Jesus, yeah. Uh, That's exactly you know, right. I mean, and, and that leads us to being able to show our kids just how, yep. regardless of what it is, and it may be like a small sin, I mean, you know, there is no such thing yeah. as far as when you transgress God's word and God's law, but but looking at the cost of sin. Right. Um our kids need there to understand that. There is no other yeah. way. That also, if I understand, because you know everybody wants a hero, right? Yeah, right. We have one. Yeah. And you know, and we talk about oh, people who laid there don't. I mean, and it is an amazing thing to see someone who would give up their life to save someone else. Yeah. Jesus did that. Yeah, and I he mean, was the sinless one who did yes, that. Yes. Right? He. That, I that mean, puts you that know, on a whole other level. Exactly. Right. And, and that, and that also, as we are allowing him to work in our hearts, I also think God went to them with a broken heart. It was not this. Yelling, scream, you know, all yeah. the, the stereotypical things we yeah, think, yeah. you know, God's yelling at them. What have you done? In fact, he gave them the opportunity. He already knew what they'd done. Right. He didn't come and say, you did right. this and this and this and this. He actually came Or he really them. wasn't worried, wondering where Adam was. Right? right. You know, but he came to them and asked it. So he gave them an opportunity yeah. beforehand, which they did not take advantage of. They did the blame game, you That's know. That's right. Um, but, but so his heart is reconciliation it cost him the most, and as right. we have a greater understanding, and that grips our heart, then that makes us more sensitive. That's right. Where you know Joseph, like, how can you have me do this? How can I transgress right. against God? Because we grow to know the heart of God. Yeah, we begin to see what yeah. we do is not just affecting me, right? 
It affects the one who yeah. has paid the price for me. Yeah, and it affects others. Yeah. It affects everything around me. Two more things. We've got to wrap it up here. Um, one thing is my favorite quote of all time um, was given by Dr. Dale Tackett in The Truth Project. And he says this. He says, every sin that besets us can be traced back to the belief in a lie. Mm. And we see that in Genesis 3, that every sin that besets us can be traced back to the belief in a lie. And I think it's so important that not only for us in confession, we try to trace our own sin back to what lie did I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I won't believe that lie again. But for our kids too, to, yeah. to work through the process of helping them understand, um, you know, what lie did you believe mm-hmm. um, that caused you to fall into this? Because I don't want you to fall into this again. We get that, that helps us get to the root of the issue, right? Um, and that's so very important. And the last thing I want to say is just encouragement to parents. Um, when you get into Genesis 3, and this won't be the last time through this uh, journey of the gospel project, um, our kids are going to ask us questions sometimes that just cannot be answered. Mm. Um, we had several questions in our adult class yesterday where we just had to throw our hands up and say, I don't know. And parents, it is okay to say, I don't know. Well, one of the things our kids need to understand is the incomprehensible nature of God and that God has revealed to us what is necessary for us to know him and to respond rightly to him. He has not revealed everything to us. And we saw that in the sermon yesterday in Revelation, Um, not to get those things mixed up again. But we saw that again, that Jesus bears this name that no one knows. Right. Right. And so what is that name? What is that name, Deb? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. You know, why did God place the tree in the midst of the garden? We don't know. Why did God do this this way? Sometimes the answer is just, I don't know. And parents, we need to have the humility to be able to say that. Um, Emma came to lunch yesterday, cocked and ready to go. She had several questions on her phone that she had taken um, where she said, what are these questions? And I think she had five questions. Three of the five I had to say, we don't have an answer for that. We just don't. Um, And that frustrated her to no end. But at the end of it, we were able to say, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we are not privy to all the information that we sometimes wish we had. That's right. And uh, so parents, just realize that. Don't shy away from these conversations because you're afraid you're not going to be able to answer a question. Number one, there may just be questions that you can't answer. Number two, what a wonderful way to um, display humility than to say, you know what, I don't know about that, but I'm going to go, let's, let's explore the answer together. Mm -hmm. Um, our kids need to see that humility from us because none of us are encyclopedias. None of us have all the answers. Um, but we can display what it looks like to seek wisdom from God. And if we believe the promises of of scripture and we do, because all of them find their yes in Jesus, uh, James tells us that if anyone seeks wisdom, all we have to do is go to God and he delights himself or he delights in revealing himself to us. And he does it without favoritism or partiality, which I love that. So it's like, um, not to, we joked about this today going, this is going to be a short (laughs) one. I'm like, yep, it's going to be 45 minutes. And we're in 34 minutes. We're going to be 76 minutes here today. That's right. Um, My regular reading today, I think it was Proverbs 26. Uh Um, The first like 11 verses out of those 11 verses, 10 of them talk, it looks at, just the destruction set for a fool. Okay, mm. all these things, yeah. you know, the parables of, uh, you know, uh, comparisons of what happens if you trust a foolish person with this. Right. Well, then you get to verse 12, which says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Mm-hmm. There is more hope for a fool right. than him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, that's the deal. It's like we, God is big enough to handle the questions 
that we can't answer. Yeah. It does not change his character or his right. nature. Right. And and what we are operating on is not blind faith. Right. God has given us a yep. wealth right. himself physically right. to see um, how to walk. Um, but faith is not by sight. Yeah. It is by trusting. Okay, I don't have the answer to that. Right. And again, that's how we can um, refute the lies of the enemy. Because sure. again, he'll come in and go, well, you know, mm-hmm. what about this? Right. I mean, he'll ask us questions that we can't answer. Yeah. And then somehow we feel like, ooh, God God is somehow diminished because I yeah. don't know the answer. It's That's like, right. no, yeah. I don't know. That's and, right. You know, we all have those those questions. And it's like, there are a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. But I do know this from his word, that he loves me, right. that he cares for me, that he paid for me, that he redeemed me, yep. and that he will never let me go. And you know what the truth is? There have The times that I have grown in my knowledge of God the most is through wrestling with things that I didn't know the answers to. Yep. Now, a fool is not one who doesn't have answers. A fool is one who refuses to look for answers. Mm. A fool is one who refuses to um, try to seek answers. That's what foolishness looks like. Mm-hmm. So parents, don't worry. You know, don't, don't fret over looking foolish because you don't have the answers. We are to model for our kids how to seek answers. Right. We are all growing to know God. And our kids need to see that humility. I don't have this figured out yet. I'm not omniscient, but I can point you to the one who is, right? right. And uh, even then, he may not reveal the answer to us, but you know what? There are some things that we just rest in and trust in who God is. And, um, you know, that's that's, that's just going to be the answer sometime. So Mm -hmm. great discussion, great opportunities this week to talk about some very deep things, but to be able to do it in a very accessible way for our kids. And Uh, So we hope that you'll do that this week. We want you to know, as always, we're praying for you and we love you. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you next time. All right. Hope you guys have a great week. Hope to see you Sunday.